News Talk 1110-993 WBT, the Pete Callender Show. And a uh, reminder, less than an hour left to participate in the second annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive. It is at the Community Matters Cafe on West 1st Street in Charlotte. And um, this goes to help kids fighting childhood cancers. So uh, if you can, head on down. We appreciate it. Um, I mean, I'm looking up to try to figure out what, what the deal is, why I cannot tip on the coffee through the Starbucks drive through line. And I mean, I'm getting lots of hits like, uh, oh, the 12 secrets of Starbucks employees. Like, unless you're going to tell me why I can't tip you, I don't care about all of these, these inside secrets. Apparently, though, as best we can tell, it has something to do with the the drawer and the employees that that work the drive through. And so if you got people that are, you know, going in and out of that uh, position at the at the drive through window, then how do they know it's their tip? I guess if it's all pulled at the end of the shift and you're doing the I don't know, it's uh, it, I don't know there if. If restaurants can figure this out, then I don't understand why Starbucks can't. But you're just hurting your own baristas. So, um, I, yeah, the answer is I need to carry more ones. That's the answer, which would also obviously help when you hit the strip clubs as well. That's, I mean, so you not only are you helping the baristas, but you're also helping the strippers. Sorry. Exotic dancers. Um, the... <laughs> The School Boards Association. This is the last thing, and I'm going to move on. The School Boards Association asking the governor and the state lawmakers, please, please help us because these parents are getting really angry at our policy to mask all of the kids. And remember, keep in mind that, that they have to. But the school boards are making this determination to adopt the universal mask mandating of all the schools because look at Union County. This is what happens if you don't do it. If you go to a mask optional policy, then you're going to end up with thousands of kids and staff out of school, right? So they're basically being forced to do the mask mandate. And then they they have to take the heat. They are the heat shield for the governor because he didn't do the mandate. I've I've been saying this about Governor Cooper for a long time since he was attorney general. This is what he does. He's, he will sacrifice you as a citizen of the state of North Carolina. He will let you take the brunt of whatever the fight is if it means he benefits politically. It has been his M.O. for years. HB2 is a perfect example of it. This isn't all of the COVID stuff. His, his, uh, uh, his lockdown order, the, the mandates and stuff, there's another, more examples of it. He's perfectly content if it... If it uh, advances his personal political agenda and his fortunes, he will do it and let you suffer the consequences. So that's what he's doing to the school board. They're right under the bus on this. And now they're asking, you know, please, please help us out. Don't make us re-up, renew the mask mandate every 30 days because it just brings out people to yell at us and we're getting kind of scared. Security has been significantly increased at board meetings Rallies and protests are organized by people who don't even live in the district. Board members and staff fear that it's just a matter of time before it escalates to serious violence. Well, that's impossible. You guys got signs all over the place. 
You guys are bully-free zones. Why would there be any violence? Don't you guys have signs? You might want to get some signs. I hear they work. You can put up a sign, and uh, and then the stuff stops. If you say, if you put it on a sign that says "Do not do this thing," or uh, like uh, "violent free zone," you could do it like that. Violence free zone. You do that, and it, the violence goes away. So, you're welcome. I'm all about solutions. Mary Ann Wolf, executive director and president of the Public School Forum of North Carolina and a member of the board of the Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools, wrote a piece last week in which she talked about the climate education leaders are currently facing at the local level. And she says, quote, in my school district, we no longer have in-person school board meetings without a police officer present. I'm trying to think back to a time when there was not a law enforcement officer present at a city or county meeting. In Charlotte, Mecklenburg and CMS, I believe like there's always there's always been law enforcement present 20 years. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, good for you, Chapel Hill, Carborough, Pollyanna living in this world where, you know, you never have to eject a parent because everybody who lives in Chapel Hill is a leftist, I guess. And so you're not yelling and screaming at each other. But in other places around the state, there are actually different opinions and people get kind of upset, particularly when you're talking about kids, their kids. She says, I regularly talk with colleagues, school board members and superintendents across the state who are fearful or receive a uh, fearful for or receive threats to their safety, which again, never, you should never be threatening people with personal violence, physical violence. I do find it interesting, though, that agents who employ the threat of force are now worried about unspoken threats of force. I do always find that to be uh, illustrative or instructive when people who work in the government, which is force, by the way, that's the that's the key distinction here between the public and the private sector. Government has the monopoly on force, right? Government gets to use force to make us use their products and services. <laughs> they, they can extract the money by force. If we don't want to play by their rules, they can use force to make us play by their rules or deprive us of liberty and even life, right? They've got the power of force. And so now they're, I'm very worried that somebody who doesn't have the power of force, they get to, they get to come down here and yell at me and it makes me feel unsafe. Like talk about a, a blind spot to the power dynamic there. Uh, by the way, the uh, Senate President Pro Tem, Phil Berger, his, uh, there was a statement in response to this came from Lauren Horsch, the communications advisor. She said that some people are protesting decisions of their elected leaders is not legitimate grounds to change a law. <laughs> Allowing constituents to have their voices heard by an elected body is a good thing for democracy. The General Assembly is not going to restrict that. I do find it also interesting that the people who are very, very afraid of parents coming down to school board meetings are also the same people who went down and screamed as a mob of thousands to shut down. They eventually shut down the General Assembly with their antics. These are the same people now that are oh so concerned about parents voicing their concerns, right? This actually came up in the uh, debate for governor Terry McAuliffe. He's running for governor of Virginia again.
News Talk 11 1099.3WBT. 704-5711-10-1800-WBT-1110. Pete at the Pete Callender Show. That's the email as well. Um, just heard the uh, the promo there for Bo talking with Mick Mulvaney. And uh, so in case weren't aware, there's been some developments uh, today regarding the debt limit and all that stuff. And uh, it's been going on as I've been on the air, so I'm not... I haven't been able to follow it, everything that's been going on. But I will point this out. Eric Erickson, the uh, talk show host down in Georgia, out of Atlanta, and uh, he said earlier that all of this has been kabuki theater. Manchin and Schumer apparently agreed to the terms for reconciliation in a signed document on July 28th, 2021. Part of the... Like, they had a signed deal, literally signed a deal together July 28th, and part of the agreement was no debate until October 1. The outcome in the Senate was always known to a select few. So everything that has been going on in the last, what, uh, no, August, so two months, I was told there'd be no math. Give me a break. I was told there would be no math when I took the job. So two months we have been subjected to this theater when they knew what they were going to do. It's all been a lie. Like, they blamed the Republicans for playing games with the economy. They're going to crash everything. They're so hell-bent on destruction. Like, this is what they were saying this morning. This morning, I have press releases Spamming my inbox from the Democratic Party because they think they can persuade me. No, I'm kidding. I'm just on the list. But they keep spamming away for the last week about how the Republicans were going to destroy everything and how they didn't care about our economy and and how they didn't care about the future. And we're going to default on the debt and all this other stuff. All of these deals were cut back in July. And you wonder why nobody believes you. You guys. Democrats, like, the Republicans need to just stand aside and let Democrats do whatever it is they're going to do on this on the spending stuff and just keep voting no, keep making your arguments no, but they need to own all of this, all of it. Do not put a single Republican fingerprint on any of this, and that includes that infrastructure bill. Um, I digress. Maybe we'll get to that tomorrow. Um, so in Virginia, not going to play like much of the audio clips, but this is, I think, key to understanding the different mindset of our two major political parties. I know there are a lot of people that are like, there's no difference whatsoever. And I don't think that's entirely true. There's only one party of the two that is at least, uh, pretending or at least, open in some cases, and some of their people actually do believe in limited government. They actually do believe that there is a difference in the way to approach governing, depending on the level. And I've always said, you know, local level, this is where you can affect change. A lot of people want to, you know, focus on the national all the time. And there's there's a benefit to doing that, which is that you don't have to ever worry that you're, you're going to win, that your stuff is going to work. Like, and I say that as a libertarian in full self-awareness of this, right? That you, you understand, like there is a benefit that you can sit back and say, we need to abolish the federal reserve. And you can keep saying that for decades and then nothing happens. And the federal reserve continues, right? 
But at the local level, you can actually win some races. And at the local level, you can affect change. And at the local level, you can risk failure. And that's kind of a scary thing. That's always part of the deal, though, with freedom, right? There's, there's the freedom to fail. That's scary. And so a lot of times it's easier just to, you know, sit back and, and make the pronouncements and never have to worry about affecting change. And I'm not saying that for everybody. I'm just saying that's one of the it's it's one of the dynamics at play here. So up in Virginia, you've got I think on display a really good uh, uh, window into the mindset of Terry McAuliffe and a lot of people that share his political philosophy. Here he was about a minute and a half, <clears throat> excuse me, a minute and a half audio from uh, the debate that he had with Glenn Youngkin, the Republican. Uh, their second and final debate of Virginia's governor's race. This was on Tuesday. Of everyone. To love everyone. This is Youngkin. And I agree with your conclusion, Terry, that we should let local school districts actually make these decisions. But we must ask them to include concepts of safety and privacy and respect in the discussion. And we must demand that they include parents in this dialogue. What we've seen over the course of the last 20 months is our school systems refusing to engage with parents. In fact, in Fairfax County this past week, we watched parents so upset because there was such explicit, sexually explicit material in the library they had never seen. It was shocking. And in fact, you vetoed the bill that would have informed parents that they were there. You believe school systems should tell children what to do. I believe parents should be in charge of their okay. kids' education. Mr. McCullough, 30 seconds. So first of all, this shows how clueless Glenn Youngkin is. He doesn't understand what the laws were because he's never been involved here in helping Virginia. But it was not. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decision. You vetoed it. So there you go. That was it. I'm not going to let parents come in to these schools and make their own decisions. And that drew the ire of conservatives. They pounced. Conservatives pounced. They seized on the comment. They're playing tonight. In Charlotte, at Bank of America State. No, they are. It's true. It is true. Would I lie to you about something like that? I mean, other things, yes, but that, no. Come on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Terry McAuliffe, running for governor of Virginia against a fellow by the name of Glenn Youngkin. Glenn is the uh, Republican. Terry is the Democrat. Terry has been governor before. He's running again. Uh, I don't know what the deal is up there. I, I do not follow Virginia politics. Um, but he was in this debate the other night, and he said, I don't think, well, here, I'll just play the clip again I'm real quick. I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decision. You vetoed it. So, yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. And when I heard this debate, and I don't know anything about the underlying issue, okay, just to be clear, and I'm not going to go research it because this is a story that's going to come and go, but it's, there, was this, there was this underlying issue, obviously, of schools that, were, uh, that had books in their library that were inappropriate and parents objected. And you know what I re- remembered was, I don't remember his last name, but Martin was his first name, and 
he would read books that he got from the school libraries. I think they were the school, maybe, yeah, they were the school libraries. And he would go down to the Board of County Commissioners meetings in Mecklenburg about 15 years ago. And he would, he would show up like every county commission meeting and he would start, he would start off with a brief, you know, statement about, will you commit to taking these books off the shelves? And the county commission would never answer him. Parks Helms, the chairman. Uh, then even when I think Tom Cox, the Republican, was the chairman, Helms was Democrat, and uh, they would never respond. They would never engage with him because that's against our rules. We don't, you know, it's not. Uh, we're not getting into a conversation with the public speakers. And so when he didn't get a response, Martin would start reading the um, portions of these books, and they were graphic. Sexual in nature, graphic books that were on the shelves in elementary and middle schools and probably high schools, too. I don't remember. But this became a huge deal like they and they forcibly removed him from one of the meetings. And then they found out you can't actually do that. This is protected speech. And then they had to do like a disclaimer warning everybody ahead of time. You're going to hear some offensive language and all of this, which like you then you should ask yourself, like, if you got to give this kind of a disclaimer before he reads them on, you know, the government channel on channel 16 at the time. I don't know what it is now. And it wasn't even live streamed, right? We didn't even have live streams at the time. It was just on the government channel. And the people who were in attendance, that would be offended. That's the only audience you're talking about. And that was, it always killed me. Like these people are reading these statements, warning everybody, you know, hey, heads up. This is all going to get really offensive and dirty. But you don't have any of that kind of warning, like, I don't know, in the library for the children. <laughs> so it's that's what it reminded me of, this issue that Terry McAuliffe apparently vetoed this bill that would have given parents control over which books are available. Because apparently some parents did not like dirty books on the shelves in the kids' library. That's, uh, th- that's what it sounded like. But in his defense of himself in vetoing that law, apparently... In his defense, he says that he doesn't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. And that really is the core here. It really is the core of the debate. Because it's one thing to disagree about, you know, creationism and evolution, right? I mean, that's that's one thing to debate. I, and I get that. And that was a big debate when I was growing up, I remember. Um, that, that was, that, that's one thing. It's quite another to start teaching well, let's just say different concepts. And I don't want to run down the whole, you know, critical race theory rabbit hole right now. But parents, as we talked about yesterday, right, parents recognize that there are uh, things being transmitted, cultural norms being transmitted via the schools that they disagree with. And if you don't want to hear it, then get off the school board because that's what you guys do, right? You guys run a system that inculcates and foments culture and norms and mores that you guys are in charge of this. Yes, there's the teaching of the reading and writing and all of that, which you barely do well. In most cases, you don't. But, like, that's what you were initially charged with doing. And you don't do that very well. And instead, we get all of this other stuff. And parents are fed up with it. But they're paying for this system, so they want it to do what they want it to do. And so they're fighting you with the hope that they will convince you to do what they want you to do. And you're mad that they're telling you what to do because you know best. 
You think you know best. That's the debate. And it's about the masks. It's about critical race theory. It's about gender. It's about all of this stuff. It's about whether you teach, you know, from the left or from the right. Oh, we don't do any of that in classrooms. Oh, we don't bring politics in. Yeah, huh? Okay. You realize, you see, part of the problem here also is that virtually everybody has an opinion based on some experience with public schools. This is part of the problem that people in the public schools who get very upset about uh, uh, criticism that comes from outside, <laughs> comes from parents, is one of the things that uh, I don't, I'm not sure they recognize, but like I have experience going to a public school. Now, that doesn't make me an expert, but I have an experience. And so, when you, when you get up there and you tell me that every single teacher is a fantastic teacher, I know you're lying because I had bad teachers. <laughs> right? Everybody has had bad teachers. I've had great teachers. That's true. There are great teachers, but they're not all great. They're not all great. And there's only so much that teachers can do to get kids to learn. They're not miracle workers, Right. And uh, I had teachers that would politicize the classroom. Absolutely. I had teachers that uh, would look the other way when bullying occurred. Absolutely. So this is just another example of how you've got people that do not like to be questioned and they expect everybody to just shut up and do what they're told, essentially. Now, McAuliffe was asked about this the next day, so I guess this mor- or Wednesday morning, I guess it was, he was asked about this on CBS 19. Do Take you think listen. parents should have a say in the curriculum? Listen, we have a board of ed working with the local school boards to determine the curriculum for our schools. You don't want parents coming in in every different school jurisdiction saying this is what should be taught here, this is what should be taught here. There you go. We have educrats that make this decision, so shut up, which really is... I mean, this is what Andrew Clavin talked about um, uh, years ago about um, the uh, the way that the left debates, which is shut up. And like you, you can put together a, a pretty well-reasoned argument, logical, rational, right? With a premise, evidence, conclusions. And a lot of folks on the left will hear this. Okay. And uh, you made some very good points. In response, I would just say, uh, "Shut up." There you go. That's the uh, that's the nature of the discourse. Interesting tidbit about this uh, this song. They originally recorded it and was supposed to have the guitar in the whole song, but when they were mixing the tracks, they started it up. And they just liked it with the drums, so they left the guitar out. There you go. I think I remember that story correctly. If that's the Rolling Stones, but I mean, just in case there were, you know, some of the the Gen Zs in the audience, they don't know this stuff. They don't know a lot of stuff. They're they're Gen Zs. Are they the last generation? What's the are there younger people than Gen Z? What are they called? I mean, besides annoying, what are they called? <laughs> I kid. I kid the kids. 
All right, let me get to the story that I teased. Aha, see, I am going to get to it. I teased this story way back in the first hour of the show, <clears throat> but, oh, my goodness, hang on a second. What is this? Oh, my. Oh, all right, never. All right, Governor Cooper's getting a flu shot, everybody. Governor Cooper's getting a flu shot, and apparently I think if you don't get the flu shot, uh, you're going to get fired, too, now. I think we're going to do that. Is that the flu man- flu shot mandate? Does he have the old man arms like Biden? I'm not going to look. <laughs> I would I would suspect, but at least he wore a polo shirt and was actually at a place, a real place, unlike Biden. Did you see that? That was a stage. Did you see that picture? Oh, was it? Yeah, it was a stage. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a fake setup. They were on a stage that was built to look like a room in the White House, but it's actually a stage. Did they have like a real doctor or was it like one of those like TV things where it's like a, a fake doctor on the commercials? Well, I mean... I hope it was a real doctor. They <laughs> stuck a needle in his arm. I mean, that's not something you want to mess around with. Um, so a person with the keys to North Carolina House Democrats official Twitter account has been using the platform to troll Republicans and some lawmakers in their ranks now are trying to put a stop to it. This is the North Carolina General Assembly. The House has a Twitter account for the Democrats. And the Senate has a Twitter account also for Democrats. And there are similar accounts for the Republicans. But the House Democrat account is apparently staffed by just awful people. They're just awful people. And so uh, the account has tweeted, this is what uh, gave rise to the story. There's a story in the paper today about it. And uh, for folks in Charlotte, uh, you, you may remember the name, Larry Shaheen. Right? He's a local lawyer. He's done political work, consulting and stuff. And uh, it started with a um, there was a tweet that went out about. Um, well, let's see here. I'm looking for it doesn't matter. He, he responded to a tweet. The North Carolina House Democrat account then responded to his tweet with his mugshot. His mugshot. What are you bringing to me? What is this? Oh, thank you. Um, he, he, I thought it might've been something important. It wasn't, it was just my PhD weight loss. Uh, my, uh, my food journal. I've, I have to print it out cause I'm going for my weigh in today. Wish me luck. I don't need luck. I'm going to, I don't need luck. I got the plan anyway. So they, this mugshot was from Larry Shaheen. He had a, uh, he, he had a, what two DUIs. This was like six years ago or something. And he actually talks about, um, how it changed his life. Cause he got sober. He's been sober ever since. And, um, it put him on a right path and all this stuff. And so like he, it, this was a, a road to Damascus moment for him, but they use it as a, as an attack on him. And a couple of house Democrats came to his defense saying as a member of the house Democrats, I request that this account remove this post. It's rude and inappropriate. And then that was a uh, representative, Allison Dahl, a Democrat from Wake County, Pricey Harrison, a Democrat from Greensboro, also called it rude and inappropriate, uh, saying she was uh, very disappointed. She has worked with Larry Shaheen on clean energy issues, and NC House Democrats are better than this. Uh, no, they're not. They're, they're not. The, the, the account, the people who run the account, they're not better than this. Like, I don't know why you would think that they're better than this. They've been engaging like this for quite a while. I've engaged with them, and and this is how they engaged with me. They're nasty. 
They're, they're terrible people. Well, I mean, they come across as terrible people when you give them the cloak of anonymity. Representative Greg Meyer, a Democrat from Orange County, said there are multiple contributors to the Twitter account and no single person behind it. Or as Democrats like to call it, accountability. That's what you call accountability. These are the same people, recall, that just yesterday as I was going over, that they're like, we can't have these private schools and charter schools and, uh, uh, well, I guess that's it. These private schools, charter schools, we can't have them getting opportunity scholarship dollars. How dare they get this this money? There's, what was he saying? There's no accountability, they would say. Because why? Because, well, because government officials aren't in charge of the purse strings, right? Because GovCo can't ride herd on the programs. They can't dictate curriculum. That's what this is about. It's about control, and it usually is. That's what they mean when they say accountable. It means we control it. And yet when it comes to their own Twitter account, and I understand it's a trifling thing. This is but a tiny little thing. It's a, it's a social media account, Right. But if you can't even do this stuff correctly, if you can't even behave ethically on this, you don't even tell people who's running these accounts for you. And apparently you give out the password, sort of like the Maricopa County, you know, elections people. They just like give out <laughs> the, the password and the uh, admin credentials to all sorts of people. So like my questions are, are there elected officials that are running the account that, that get to post stuff under this account? Legislative assistants that are making money, you know, that are get, being paid on taxpayers' dime? Is it campaign volunteers? Is it campaign staffers? Like, who are the people that are running these accounts for you? In the interest of transparency and accountability and all, I mean, unless you're saying that you don't believe in these principles. And what... Listen to what Representative Meyer says here. The rhetoric from the right these days is purposefully inflammatory and absurdly disconnected from the truth. Twitter sniping isn't worthy of a news story when the GOP are relentlessly undermining our nation and state through dishonest messaging and policies that serve only themselves. It's just this war and then SOB Johnson. I'm sorry. I always get the, like, there's always, what was the boyfriend's name in Forrest Gump that whipped up on Jenny? Like, that's the guy. I always get this vibe when I hear, when I hear this. I mean, it's not just from Greg Meyer. It's like all of these, like, you made me do this. It's just this war. Johnson. Meyer declined to say whether he believed that the account's sharing of Shaheen's mugshot was appropriate. Well, that means he thinks it was. All's fair on social media. That's what he's saying. This is not changing. This is how they choose to engage with people. You got a DUI seven years ago. We're going to put that mugshot up in order to get you to shut up. Oh, you made a a point. You made a logical, rational point about a policy. Oh, that's good. Um, In response, I say to you, shut up. There you go. Brett Winterbull's up next, live from D.C. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.